Today's broadcast is only for adults. It is not for children. It is not for youth. It is not for young people. It is only for adults. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Pope Paul said, Kachita, Kachita, I bless you, and with me the whole church blesses you. Who was Kachita? She was a visionary of Garamandal. There were apparitions that took place in the 1960s. We don't focus on Fatima or Lourdes or any of the apparitions, but we sometimes mention them to support what's taking place in Medjugorje and why ladies here what's going down. And what happened in Spain was several visionaries, Conchita being one of them, are they appeared to. There was two messages given. These apparitions lasted for quite a while. Padre Pio said, quote, Consecrate yourselves to the Virgin of Carmel who appeared at Garamandal. So he believed in it. Many people believed in it. Mother Teresa met on several occasions Conchita. She believed in it. I believe in Garamandal. 
We don't promote it, again, because our charism is the last apparitions on earth, which is Medjugorje. But in 1961, October 18th, which is interesting because March 18th was a chosen date for Mariana. But on this apparition, Our Lady appeared and gave a message. There was fierce lightning, raining, 16,000 people there. And you know what time Our Lady appeared? The same time she appears in Medjugorje at night on Ivan's apparitions. These are parallels. The message parallels the style and the way Our Lady speaks in Medjugorje that she spoke in the same way on that night in 1961. She said, Our Lady, we must make many sacrifices, perform much penance, and visit the Blessed Sacrament frequently. But first, we must lead good lives. If we do not... A chastisement will befall us. The cup is already filling up. And if we do not change, a very great chastisement will come upon us. This is in the same style as the messages we hear in Medjugorje. Cameron Dahl was really ignored and semi-condemned. They've, in the last couple of years, opened it back up, the bishop, and he's very favorable to it. He's allowing masses to be said on the site now, and it looks like he's headed for approval. But I'm not here to get that approved or even focus so much on this, except for the message of what was said. Because in the 1960s, we came out of the 50s, and we know from 1960 and what to mid-1965 or so, many things happened. Screw prayer was taken out in 63. Kennedy was shot. Anarchy came loose. Our Lady says here, if we do not live good lives, the cup is filling up. If we do not change, a chastisement will befall us. Our Lady continued to appear there in Garmadal, but she didn't give any more messages until January 1st, 1965. And we have the wreckage of those early years of the 60s of turning against God Rejecting God, the hippie, the promiscuous revolution that took place, the vileness of all these things, the music that came on, the heavy rock, the drugs, everything that happened, the anarchy into the streets and the protest, all rejecting God. I remember as a teenager, growing into those years, seeing on TV signs being carried by marchers, God is dead. Because he was in the culture. Everybody's turning away. Yes, there were still a lot of religious people, but there was a softening of Christian principles in living that and convicting this. And so Our Lady appears in 65 and gives another message. And it was the same thing as far as the numbers, but it was no storm. But it was the same time, 10 o'clock at night, just like in Medjugorje. Kachita goes into ecstasy, and Our Lady conveys a message that says, as my message of October 18th has not been complied with, this is back in 61 years before, has not been complied with and has not been made known to the world, I am advising you that this is the last one. Before the cup was filling up, now it's flowing over. Just contemplate, especially you who are of age, 
who went through those years, what happened from 1960 to 1965 was the beginning of the rejection and the anarchy toward and against God. And here's our lady comes and says, the cup was filling up, now it's overflowing. Many cardinals, our lady says, many bishops and many priests are on the road to perdition. Think about the scandal in the church that manifested just a few years ago of priests and bishops who were becoming that back in that period of time. Heaven saw what we didn't see that manifested a few decades later. Many cardinals and many bishops and many priests are on the road to perdition and are taking many souls with them. Less and less importance is being given to the Eucharist. We saw the falling away from the Eucharist during that period of time. This message is dead on. I lived through that history, and you who are in the age of the late 50s or 60s, years of age, experienced that. We saw it. Here it is. We read it, and we know it's accurate because we saw the reality of it. You should turn the wrath of God away from yourselves by your efforts, Our Lady said. And she continues, if you ask for forgiveness with sincere hearts, he will pardon you. I, your mother, through the intercession of St. Michael, the archangel, ask you to amend your lives. And she continues, you are now receiving the last warnings. I love you very much. I do not want your condemnation. Pray with us with sincerity, and we will grant you your request. You should make more sacrifices and think about the passion of Jesus. And so here we are. What are we to think? We have misplaced sympathies. We don't understand situations. Life is precious, and for somebody to take it for any reason is wrong, especially those who might be in a state of sin. It's a tragedy. Because one's life is to be lived as a test which will decide where you'll spend eternity. And it's very tragic what happened this past week on Sunday, 2 a.m. in the morning, where people were gathered in a very sinful place and lost their lives. And our sympathies go to the families and to those who lost their lives. But our sympathy does not go to this so-called community, which is ravaged with sin, which I say and tell you that I've read nothing where people condemn this sin itself. Not the people. We can't judge them. Only God knows and has that in his hands. But we're to pray for a happy, holy death. And these were not holy deaths that took place. Hopefully some of those who were shot at this nightclub in Orlando, Florida, lived a while and repented. Because God won't refuse that repentance, even in a vile place This is a nest of evil. And we had to go searching hard to find anybody that addressed it from this angle. It was only about even the bishops. It was all the Florida. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to help. You know, we've asked about when there's a devil statue being worshipped for the bishop to call people out. They're calling people for this, but nobody's talking about the sinful side of this. And don't misread me. This is tragic. But there's a double tragedy 
And the worst tragedy is the second. It's salvation. How many salvations was lost? Because Christians are so weak in saying this is sin. You cannot do this. And if we stood up stronger and we really loved our brother, we would be teaching this. And we're not from the pulpit. And so we confuse our sympathies, let them rest in the loss of life, which is just and rightful to do as Christians, to love everybody. But we don't distinguish the difference of a second death, which is eternal. And so by placating this, by tolerating this lifestyle, we're guilty of sending people by our weak Christianity and our stance to condemnation. We found one place, one preacher said something about this. This is from Pastor Stephen Kim, who lives in New York City, entitles his essay, A Christian Response to the Orlando Shooting. Today, I write out of consternation. Consternation about two developments regarding the Orlando shooting. The first development that concerns me is the acrid response against Abrahamic religions by some within the abominable community. While listening to the news on the radio yesterday, I heard one man from this community in Orlando angrily say, Shootings like these occur because organized religions believe that the lifestyle I live is evil. The second development is the response given by many within the Christian community. Pictures are now coming in of entire buildings lit up in rainbow colors as people, Christians, and unbelievers unite to hold prayer vigils and interfaith services for those killed on Sunday morning. I fear that the shootings are strangely causing many Christians to abdicate their biblical view that abominable acts are sinful. In a strange twist of irony, the mass killing on Sunday is leading to the embrace of abomination by the general population. On June 13th, Obama addressed the nation. The following are three key excerpts from his speech. Number one, quote, the fact that it took place at a club frequented by abominable community, I think is also relevant. Number two, this is an especially heartbreaking day for all our friends, our fellow Americans, who are, and then he names four categories of perversions. And number three, the place where they were attacked is more than a nightclub. It is a place of solidarity and empowerment where people have come together to raise awareness to speak their minds, and to advocate for their civil rights. The Christian's response. Obama was right on the first excerpt, the fact that this shooting took place at a nightclub in which perversion is flaunted is relevant. It particularly is relevant for Christians as they seek to respond biblically. Obama was also right on the fact that the people who were shot were fellow Americans. However, Obama was devastatingly wrong when he said that a nightclub, a perversion, is a place of empowerment. It is not. As Christians, we have to be very careful in our response to Orlando. 
angry, abominable activists are right about one thing. All three Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, condemn this abominable perversion as evil. In Christianity, from the book of Romans, it states, Though they know God's righteous degree, that those who practice such things, abominable acts, deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And from Islam, the Quran, it states, Of all the creatures in the world, will ye approach males and leave those whom Allah has created for you to be your mates? Nay, you are a people transgressing. And from Judaism, in Leviticus, it states, If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Two thousand years ago, God, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, made it crystal clear that someone practicing abomination does not enter into heaven. Quote, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the promiscuous, immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice abominable relations, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6. As Christians, we believe that all people who have repented and have put their faith in Jesus Christ are washed of their sins and reconciled with God, including those who repent of this lifestyle. There is immense hope in the gospel. Conversely, however, we also believe that no matter how much one claims to be a Christian, there is no such thing as an abominable Christian. As Christians, loving our neighbor means donating blood, giving out clothes, and feeding the hungry. But it also means that we uncompromisingly share the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We might donate our blood to the ailing brother caught in their sin, but we will simultaneously urge him to repent of his sin because we love. And because we love, we will continue to stand against this perversion. The soul is of utmost importance. Jesus once said, Do not fear those who kill the body. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I grieve today not so much because people died, for we will all one day die. But because of those who died, without any further opportunity for repentance, we grieve because young people lost salvation in the prime of their lives while foolishly partaking in heinous sin. I would grieve in a similar manner if any young person was shot and killed while in a state of serious sin and did not have an opportunity to repent. We grieve because we live in a horribly fallen world. The shootings in Orlando ought to remind Christians that life is short, love is a command, and evangelism is an absolute priority. So the day after this, we do our morning prayers, and we pick our message for the day. 
And just a few hours before, that's Monday morning, so just a few hours before the shooting took place, and our lady always addresses us to what's going on. I know every Christian out there has been at a point where they've been in a state of loss of grace that if they were killed in their action or even the action when the sin was being committed, that they could lose their salvation. But we can't say specifically about anybody losing their salvation because that's where we don't judge. We don't cross into the why people are what they are or how they're caught in this situation. At the same time, we have the directions of the Bible. We got the commandments. And we do want to die in a state of grace. That's why we repent. And it is a grace to be able to die in that state well, you gain salvation. That's why we pray for those who are dying. We pray they accept a priest or pray they say, Jesus Christ, please forgive my sins. I read a book I talked about several months ago on one of these programs talking about Vietnam where there were American soldiers killed so close to each other they could hear the slap of the bullet hitting the body next to the person. And one of the soldiers heard when one was shot in front of him four feet away in the brush, he couldn't see him. He heard him say, God, please forgive me. That's all you need to do. And hopefully that's what happened at the shooting to some. And many of them didn't know God or accept God. And they'd rejected so many times they weren't given that grace. We don't even know and can judge that there wasn't people when Sodom was crushed and burned, that some of them made it to heaven. Not immediately, but through purgatory. So we don't go that direction with this. But we go to the direction that we have to sit there and say to ourselves, what am I doing to stop people in this lifestyle? How am I saving them? You're not helping them when you're saying, oh, we give so much sympathy for this and we want to be in solidarity. We're going to light up and blaspheme the rainbow covenant God gave after the flood and light your buildings with it. We're not to tolerate this. And yes, it's a gray zone there with somebody mourning right now for loved ones especially if they didn't want their children or family to be in this lifestyle. So we give sympathy to that, but we don't do what Obama said. Obama said after this, we need the strength and the courage to change our attitudes towards, and then he names four lifestyles that are classed that people would be living going to this nightclub. And then he says, a community. This is not a community. We owe no sympathy to identity they would define themselves of the so-called community, which is abominable. There's no sympathies to get given to us. And there's accolades and people coming and saying, well, we, our heart goes out to this community. This is not a community. It's a perverted way. Life is precious. It's tragedy, as I already said, when it's taken, especially untimely. And that's why we pray as Christians that I die a holy, happy death. Are we sinners just like they are? Certainly. We can break other commandments, just stealing or whatever, or blaspheming God and go to hell too. But the difference is, is we want to be repentant. We want to pray for the grace to always be repentant. That's why we have examination of conscience every night. But you go to this place where this took place, for illicit reasons. And perhaps some of you have been in places you shouldn't have been. It's true. But if you're praying, you're in your scapulars, or you're asking for God to always, in your weakness, to be able to repent before you die, that can happen. But you've got these clubs and these things that's taking place 
where the stats are incredible and shameful. 28% of these people in this lifestyle have had through their lifetime more than 1,000 partners. They're not going there except for one thing. 43% have had 500 or more partners. 17, 20% or so has had 50 or more. There's practically no fidelity even in this. And so it's a degraded thing. And what we said last week on our program was it's the deepest rebellion against God that man can do because he's saying, I'm not accepting what you made me to be. And a lot of them are confused and God takes care of that. But the purpose of what we're talking about today on our Medjinomics show is why we're losing our fiscal security while we're headed toward an immoral society, and while we're falling. Because man, when he gets to this point, cannot continue, and bad things happen. And yes, you had San Bernardino take place, you've had other people, and you've had innocent people killed, you have Christians killed. The good suffer with the bad. When we create a culture that gets to this point, there's only one way to reverse it. And God in the past has allowed things to happen by withdrawing, by turning man over to himself. But I'm always here to tell you, God's not going to abandon you. He's not left us alone. Romans talks about when you go this way and you reject God completely, he will abandon you. So we have pockets where people are getting abandoned. But the Bible also says God strikes the righteous as well as the unrighteous. But the righteous he strikes over time. The unrighteous he strikes instantly. In other words, that Bible verse, New Testament Bible verse, gives the opportunity to crush you, to give you crosses, to make you think of him, to be repentant. But those who continually are unrepentant is struck like lightning. And we're in this stage, and that's why our is here. The message we paid the day after this happened, it was a January 25th, 1991 message. And so, Listen to this in the context of what just happened with this tragedy of the precious loss of life of many souls, as well as for some number of those, perhaps eternally. Dear children, today, like never before, I invite you to prayer. Why? Because prayer gives you protection. And we're all sinners. We need the covering of prayer. That if something happens, we can have the grace to repent. Your prayer should be a prayer for peace. Satan is strong and wishes not only to destroy human life, but also nature and the planet on which you live. Therefore, dear children, pray that you can protect yourselves through prayer with the blessing of God's peace. I know I'm a sinner. And I know I need to confess. And I know if I'm in serious sin, I pray that God give me the grace to repent and run to confession. Our Lady continues, Therefore, dear children, pray that you can protect yourselves through prayer with the blessing of God's peace. God sent me to you so that I can help you. If you wish, grasp the rosary. Already the rosary alone can do miracles in the world and in your lives. Do you want that as a choice? Or do you want to stay steep in sin and grow deeper into it? And he continues, I bless you and I stay among you as long as it is God's will. 
thank you that you will not betray my presence here. And I thank you because your response is serving God in peace. That's what we're supposed to be here for, to serve peace for others, that they gain salvation, that they can have that from our lady. So the next day we get up, we do our morning prayer, and we pick another message. That message the very next day still pertains to the shooting. November 2nd, 2011. Dear children, the Father has not left you to yourselves. Romans talks about God turns them over because they did degraded things. They turn them over to themselves. Our lady's coming here saying, the Father has not left you to yourselves. That's why she's here, to turn away as many people as possible, that you convert, you become apostle, that you can turn other people away from these kinds of things. Are you doing that? Are you complicit with it? Oh, we're in solidarity with you. We're praying, and we're going to light up our buildings with rainbow colors in support of your community. What kind of garbage is that? That's not sympathy. That's in league with Satan. It's false compassion. We should be compassion for the suffering of the families and for those souls. But we are not to shy back away from what is sin. The Father has not left you to yourselves. Immeasurably is his love, the love that is bringing me to you to help you to come to know him so that through my son, all of you can call him Father with the fullness of heart that you can become one people in God's family. However, my children, do not forget that you are not in this world for yourselves. You're just free to become animals and be in illicit behavior. She continues, and that I'm not calling you here for your own sake. Those who follow my son think of the brother in Christ as their very selves and do not know selfishness. That is why I desire that you be the light of my son, that all those who have not come to know the Father, to all those who wander in the darkness of sin, despair and pain and loneliness, you may illuminate the way, and that way, with your life, you may show them the love of God. I am with you. If you open your hearts, I will lead you. Again, I'm calling you to pray for your shepherds. This is who we are. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And yet through this tragedy, we're not doing that. March 18th, 2010, he says, My son does not refuse those who call him and who desire to live according to him. That's what we should be praying. Those who were left who bled to death, those who had some lingering conscience before they died, that they called upon him and that they, in purgatory, can be lifted out of that or reduce their time through our prayers. That's what we should be praying for. That's where our sympathy should be for those who did not go cursing God or who were silent in their repentance or who had no opportunity. This is who Our Lady says she weeps for, those poor souls who go to hell. So our lady said that my son does not refuse those who call him and who desire to live according to him. Pray for those who do not comprehend love, who do not understand what it means to love. Pray that God may be their father and not their judge. Scary, serious words. 
We live in a putrid moral environment. We must change society from the degraded road, the path it is on. And I've heard precious little about the precious life of eternity spoken on this incident. Silent puppets, silent church, silent Christians. And it sickens me because they don't know how to approach this with sensitivity that we got to be careful what we say. And we got a president who's an agent of Satan who lit up the White House promoting this lifestyle when the Supreme Court said the marriage is okay. He blasphemed God, reversing the rainbow covenant symbol that God gave us and the Jewish people that as Christians we recognize that he hijacks and plays along with this lie while people go to perdition because of it and nobody convicts. And he says, we need the strength and the courage to change our attitudes towards this lifestyle and this community. Naming each one of the four categories they fall in. That's tragic. And actually, that's more tragic than death because we're all going to die. And we all sin. But we're not saving people. Do you know what Jesus did when the woman came in, brought in by the Pharisees who were going to stone her to death? He stopped it. Just like we should want to stop this man who killed these people. But one thing Jesus did was different. He saved her life. And for all those who came out of this club, are you doing the same thing to them? Those who were shot and those who were not shot, but they came out, are you doing what Jesus did? Are you being the Christian? Are you going to them, you need to get out of this lifestyle? You need to avoid this sin? You need to stop? Because Jesus told her after saving her life, I'm not going to condemn you, but avoid this sin. Are you going to any counseling? The bishop called to go counseling these people that live through this. No, very little will be said about that. Just show compassion. Compassion is saying you need to leave this life. You need to avoid it. You need help. You need prayer. You need fasting. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to follow Christ. And so it is. All this calculates out to a fallen world, a place where we cannot escape when we arrive at this point in our culture, that we're going to see more of this. And it's not Christians whose voice in the verses of the Bible condemning this sin, but telling us to love the sinner that is at fault. We have to change the direction of the world. That's why the Virgin Mary is here. We can go back to Kachita and where he said the cup is filling up and then in 65, the cup is overfilling that you're going to have a chastisement. We're underneath a timetable that's coming, people. You cannot tolerate sin. And you don't love the sinner if you don't convict them on this and tell them you must change the direction of your life. Yes, us first. 
Yes, us being repentant and in admission we are sinners. But nothing's going to go good for us. What has this got to do with measuronomics? Everything. Matthew 6, read at the beginning, speaks to this, that we're not blessed. Economic-wise, we're not going to continue. And that's why we have this, because everything ties to our well-being from our health to living in a, a sane society and a peaceful society all the way down to your wallet. Everything is affected by this. And so it is. This gives you a lot to contemplate. That as Christians, we take no pleasure of anybody's death, especially those who are in grave sin. Because there's both a physical death and a spiritual death. No one should ever take delight that Satan wins. And you're to do everything possible that he be defeated. So our sympathies go out to those families who lost loved ones, those who survived this, that you change the direction of your life. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomics show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.